All right, we're going to go back to Proverbs 23 tonight, and we're going to read some of the same scriptures that we did last week. And for a minute, you're going to think I'm preaching the same message. I'm not. I am, but in a different direction. So let's read Proverbs 23, verses 1 through 3. We're going to talk about appetites again tonight, but it's the appetites of the mind. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. First Corinthians chapter nine verse twenty seven, Paul said, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, and lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And one more verse. I read this last week too, I believe. Philippians 3.19 Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Alright. So, there were a few of you not here last week. So let me kind of just clue you in on how we started here. Appetite and desire are two words that we were thinking about last week. Appetite speaks of a more, more of a desire of the flesh for gratification, either of the body or the mind. See, you can have a carnal mind that's fleshly. Uh, and that's enmity with God. It's not just the things we do in the body, it's what we do in the mind. Also, It always precedes what we do in the body. You never do anything without thinking about it. People say that. They say, well, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> well, yeah, you were. But it had to come from somewhere. These things don't work without the thinker. You know, the tongue, the lips, everything. Does. Words don't come unless they come from your heart. So. There are natural appetites and there are artificial appetites. God gave us natural appetites for our survival and to maintain life. He also supplied the satisfaction for those appetites in a right way. There's a right way and a wrong way. Nothing sinful or wrong in natural desires being satisfied in the, in the, within the bounds of where God set for them to be satisfied. We eat, but we, but then there's gluttony. You know. <laughs> That's eating too much. That's eating just for the taste of it, for the pleasure of it. And we hit that hard enough last week, I think. Having a desire for tobacco or alcohol, drugs, or anything that is not life-sustaining and beneficial to the body or mind is an artificial appetite. Remember that. That's something we've, we've, come, we've come about, we've acquired by ourselves, not from God. God never let anybody be born needing a cigarette or anything like that or needing a drink of liquor. God gave us natural desires and they're not sinful in themselves. But temptation to sin always involves our natural appetites. Very important. The first sin on earth happened when Eve developed an appetite 
for that which God said would bring sure and certain death. Genesis 3, 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. She hadn't went there where the tree was. She hadn't looked upon it, gazed upon it. While the devil whispered in her ear, she would not have desired to eat of it. She didn't have that desire until... It was introduced to her until she was influenced to look, to think about it, to entertain other thoughts about it than what God had told her about it. Think about that. That's why we're always stressing the fact that the Word of God is our final authority and it's our source of all wisdom and knowledge and everything else. We don't go to the world and get the devil's opinion and the devil's input on or other people's input on it. God will instruct you from His Word if you're honest in your heart and you want the truth. Got to make sure you get it. So the devil whispered in her ear, lied to her, told her lies about it, and she thought about that. And then what did she do? She took of the fruit. She transgressed against God. She did what God said not to do in order to satisfy her own desire that she wouldn't have had if she hadn't gazed upon it. If she hadn't went where it was. Y'all listening. Mm -hmm. It's how you get in trouble. You know, in Proverbs 7, it says, I saw a young man (laughs) in the dark night, and a young man near her corner. Why did, what was he doing down there in the first place? All that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't have been down there. So our desires can be manipulated and directed by outside influences. That's very important. You think you know what you want. You think you can decide what you want and what's right for you. All the time you're being manipulated like a puppet on a string by the devil, by devils, by other people who are full of the devil and under the influence of the devil. In this world, I mean, we're surrounded by it. So you're not in full control of what you desire. Look at the world around you. Why why would anybody want to take drugs? Why would anybody want to be a pervert? Why would anybody have those desires? Because they went looking. And they it was suggested to them. They believed lies about it and then they took of the fruit and did eat. So knowing this fact and, and having this understanding, we ought, to, we ought to arm ourselves against whatever it is that it would affect our appetites and desires. So last week we focused, on, we focused mostly on the appetites concerning the flesh and carnal desires. You remember, we talked about Debbie cakes and everything else. And, and everybody went home thinking that, you know, I, I, you felt guilty about or whatever about eating Debbie cakes all week. Somebody told me, what did you tell me? You lost six pounds in the next few days and I don't know what all. But yeah, I fat shamed everybody, I guess. I guess that's how you say it nowadays. But, but, this week we're going to look at the, we're going to focus on the realm of the mind and how appetites control our thoughts. 
Now it's all tangled together here. And it's hard to, to present this and sort it out right as it needs to be because the flesh and the mind are all tangled together. You can't separate them out and put the mind over here and the flesh over here and the spirit over there and, and the heart over here. They all work together. We are one body. We're a body here. I'm not talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about you have a body. You are you and you live in that body. You are one person, not two or three. You're one. And so we can't separate everything out, but we can look at it and see how it works and how one affects the other and how to deal with it. We got to in order to know how to deal with it rightly. So, the first time the devil tempted a human being, he did it by convincing Eve that if it tasted good and it looked good, then it had to be good for you. Simple as that. When she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. (laughs) So you see, that's really basically what he convinced her of, that if it looks good and it tastes good, then it's good for me. Why would anybody forbid me something? That's good, it looks good, smells good, tastes good, feels good, and it's and it's good for me. It'll make me wiser. Why would anybody say nah to that? <clears throat> well, I did it all the time. What's wrong with drinking? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with a little weed every once in a while? What's wrong with everything you can think of? All I mean, it's just you're absolutely nuts now if you're against anything. Especially if it's anything like dancing or drinking or gambling. They just laugh and make a mock at you for saying anything against anything like that. Mm-hmm. Now the devil's basic lie is that we should trust our physical senses moment by moment. That's what that saying really, when you boil it down, that's what it amounts to. Follow your heart. Follow your feelings. Mm-hmm. Do what feels good. If it feels good, do it. Is that the motto? That's the devil. That's his voice. That's his slogan. That's his plan to tempt all of us. To disarm us. To to neutralize us. And And our will to stand against evil and what's wrong. His basic lie is you just trust your senses. I mean, you look at it with your eyes. You feel of it with your fingers. You taste of it with your tongue. You you do all the deciding according to how it affects you, if it pleases you or what. So that's exactly how people live their lives. If they if it hurts, they back away. But if it feels good, they just go ahead and reach for the fruit. If it looks good, they'll go ahead and do it. The lie is processed in the mind of the one who hears it. That's where the lie is processed. It's not processed in your heart, in your feelings, in your emotion. That's not where it's processed. That is part of the problem. 
That's the law in your members that, that strives against the law of your mind. Trust your heart. Terrible, terrible advice. Yes, sir. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. fool. That's what God says. Now the devil says, go ahead and trust in your heart. If it feels good, go ahead. It's got to be good for you. Love, I'm in love. And that, that just justifies everything. Yeah. If, if, you're, if anything that feels like this has got to be right. Even if it's a man with some other man's wife. Yeah. See how that works? Yeah. That's exactly how it works. Yeah. Temptation. But the danger is always... If the danger were obvious in the lie, everybody would back away from it. But the danger is not always obvious. Seldom is. The danger is always hidden by the desire that is aroused in the heart at the thought of its fulfillment. Get that? It hides the danger. You know, I mean, you've all heard this before, but all the the beer advertisements, the cigarette advertisements, when I was young, all of there was these cigarette commercials on all the time. And they were all... Man, you were the Marlboro man riding a horse in a cowboy hat. Yeah. He died of lung cancer. Do y'all know that? Uh, everything was per, uh, picture perfect and pleasant and appealing to what? Your senses. It tastes good. It feels good. I mean, it, it enriches your life and all that's a lie. You think tobacco or liquor or Drugs enrich your life? No, they destroy everything. Anybody that's got any sense knows that. Then why do we have this problem? Why is it a problem that will never go away as long as the earth stands and there's people on it? Well, it's because of the way this deal's set up here. Your desires, your mind, and the way the devil attacks us with he, had, he uses our own senses to attack us. That's His weapon against us. Temptation is always an appeal to the mind to set aside truth while under the influence of some desire that's been aroused in your heart by the sight of it or the thought of it. Of some object. You, you saw some object. With Eve, it was a tree. The tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not the tree of life. Lest he put them out of the garden, lest they eat of the tree of life and live forever. Like this. No, can't do that. We indulge our carnal desires in thought before we ever indulge them in, the, in action, in the flesh. Now we all know that people go much farther in their thoughts than they ever do in their actions. Most people. It's a disaster when somebody actually does what they're thinking. You know, people think, I've heard this, if you think it, it's just as bad as doing it. Oh, that is a bunch of baloney. 
If I did everything I'd ever thought of, I wouldn't be alive right now. And neither would you. And there would probably be some other people wouldn't be alive if I'd done everything I thought about. That's, that's not true at all. There's thought and then there's action. And that's what we're talking about here tonight. Yeah. Thought. Yeah. Your mind. Where the devil attacks you. Where he lies to you. Where he tries to deceive you with your own desires. We indulge our carnal desires in thought before we ever indulge them in the flesh. So there's this, there's the imagination. Here we go. It's the playground of the mind. So we've got to examine ourselves concerning the appetites of our mind. Where's your imagination? Where does it work? Where does it operate? What feeds it? What do you like to think about? <laughs> this is not going to be pleasant. We all know what food we like. And we know which dainties are our weakness in that matter. Don't we? Yeah, we know, we know. We could get you to answer there and some of you would say, well, it's the sweets. And then some of them would say, well, mine's something else, you know. And everybody's got this thing. You, you know where your weakness lies, where you just can't hardly say no to food. More important than that, though, are the thoughts of our heart. Where do our weaknesses lie? There. You know, as we mentioned last week, food is a weakness of a lot of people. You know, I mentioned it. I've known people, when, while they're eating lunch, they'll stop in the middle of a swallow and say, what are we having for supper? You know, I mean, they're thinking about supper while they're eating lunch. Some people just think about eating all the time. That's all they think about. They're always pushed. And I tell you, everybody's that way too much. Always thinking about, you know, what we're going to eat, what we're going to eat, what we're going to eat. So their thoughts are obsessed with eating and indulging their taste for food. Others are obsessed with other physical appetites and live continually in that realm of lust and seeking an opportunity to indulge in. And that's the foremost enticement that's being forced on everyone by this present world system, and y'all know it. This is the pornography generation. The two dominant sins of the last days before Jesus comes are plainly laid out in the Bible as fornication and sorcery. You know what that is? Drugs. Yeah. Drugs and sex. Still others have mind, and that's where people, a lot of people are focused. They can't think about nothing else. That's just where they live. Just like us. Well, still others have minds that are focused on fear. There's people that just, they're just afraid, and that's all they're thinking about all the time. What's going to happen? The world's going to blow up. I mean, the government's, oh, well, they've got all these camps, and I, oh, oh, and they live in fear. That's all our mind is controlled by is fear. And uh, they're always looking for more reasons to be afraid. By scanning the news and by feeding their mind all the bad and wicked deeds of other people that's been happening. They're obsessed with their, their body and think that every pain is the first sign of death for them. Call them hypochondriacs is what we call them. 
always sick or think they're sick or hoping to be sick or, you know, it's like they're hoping to be sick because every little thing, they're just obsessed with it, obsessed with it. There's people like that. I'm just going through a whole list of things. I thought of a lot more than these, but I mean, this gives you an idea. Where, where are you? What is it that you're prone to think about in your mind? When everything go, when all the noise stops, where's your mind go? <laughs> well, that's for you to answer because you're the only one that knows. Ain't nobody else here can probe into your heart and mind and know what you're thinking. Unless it actually turns into action, which that's what happens. That's what happens. That's the great danger here. We're different than animals. People, a lot of people live like animals just by their appetites. But we got this thing that they don't have and it's a thinker. We reason and think and, and we know right from wrong. We're a moral creature. No matter how hard you want to deny God and the book and everything else, you can't escape it. You still feel guilty when you do wrong. And so that's a factor involved in all of this too. It adds to the problem. It's not just that you think bad thoughts. You feel guilt for thinking bad thoughts. So some people are consumed with gain and making money and their thoughts never wander far from their covetousness. I mean, there's people that are so greedy for money and gain that food don't mean much to them. Anything else don't mean much to them. You ever known people that have lots of money and yet you would never know it because they drive an old pickup and they just live like they're a pauper? Well, yeah. And everybody admires them and says, wow, I don't know. Well, they got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I've known people like that more than one. And uh, they had a problem in their mind and in their heart. Because that's all they thought about is how to make another dollar. How to get somebody else's dollar out of their pocket into theirs. If you don't see nothing wrong with that, well, then I don't know how you think. It's called covetousness. That's what that is. And the Bible calls it idolatry. Some people just focus on their bad luck and failures and losses and they stay on a merry-go-round of despair and discouragement. These are the melancholy, depressed, down and out, feel sorry for me kind of people because they're always thinking about that. Their mind stays in that realm of just just digging through the garbage <coughs> of their life. And all our failures. And no hard luck me. You know. They carry that demeanor with them everywhere they go. I mean, it's like when they walk in, it's like it starts raining in the room or something. <laughs> I mean, it changes the atmosphere because they're just doom and gloom. <laughs> they got a problem in their mind. Yeah. They don't have any 
discipline over their thoughts and where their thoughts go. The devil just dangles it over there and there they go. That's what they like to think about. It makes them miserable. People that are fearful like to think about that stuff. Even though it makes them feel awful. It's a strange thing, isn't it? You'd think people wouldn't want the misery, that they would want joy and happiness and peace. But the devil has control of their minds. It's a spirit that gets control of your thoughts and just drives you back in that corner over and over and over again because you won't resist him. That's right. That's right. So simple. I keep losing my place. There are people who are hooked on foolishness and all their mind thinks about is something funny or witty to say or do. Now everybody likes to laugh. Uh, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Well, it sure does. I I like to laugh once in a while. But you can't live in that all the time. It's old. But with some people, it never gets old. They can't get out of it. They just stay in there. You know what the Bible calls them? A fool. Fools. Foolishness. Folly. But that's all they can do. They can't have a serious conversation. They can't have serious talk about spiritual things because they're full of foolishness. You know, children are... (laughs) They got that problem, don't they? Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And the Bible only gives us one way to get rid of it. Right? Mm -hmm. You have to guide them in the way they should go. You teach a child to think as much as you teach them to feed themselves and clothe themselves and do their chores and everything else. You got to teach them to think. Yes, sir. And if you just let him go, child left to himself, what is he going to do? Bring his mother to shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there's people who are simply mean, bad, wicked, who spend the most of their thoughts on how to hurt somebody else. Yes. There's people like that. Yes. Can you imagine? living in that realm in your mind just figuring out how to hurt somebody how to do somebody hurt there's uh, you know we can go on and on but the question at hand is to each of us what kind of appetites do I have in my thought life that secret place of mine where no one sees or knows what's going on what, what kind of appetites do you have in your mind what do you like to think about is it the things of God the word of God do you have any desire to think about things like that or do you just have to have it spoon fed force fed to you at church or by your mom and dad or by somebody else or else you ain't taking it see that's that's where most people are right there They won't dig. They won't search. I mean, if it was food, you would have starved to death a long time ago because you won't put your hand forth to take nothing for your thought life, your spiritual part of you that's so important. 
You don't want to know anything about anything like that. You want to think about foolishness, vanity, scary things, or poor little me and all my tough luck and nobody loves me and everybody hates me and everybody treats me wrong. That's what you want to think about. And it's the destruction of your life and those around you. And if you ever have any children, it'll be that you'll destroy them with it. You'll destroy their lives with it. we got to have control of our mind as well as our hands. Our mind is a member just like our hands. It's something God gave us. And it's mighty important part of us. We're drawn to thoughts in our minds just like we're drawn to food when we're hungry. Or other fleshly, to other fleshly desires. We're drawn to thoughts in our mind. Are y'all listening to me and getting that? See, that's just how it works. If you come in the house and it smells like uh, cookies baking. Or bacon frying. You still saying you don't like bacon? No, you give up on that. (laughs) I just thought of that. Well... That kind of gets control of your appetite, don't it? You don't want you don't say, I don't want to smell that, I'm going back outside where the animals are. You know. <laughs> no. Something's good's here. I want to stay here till they get it done so I can have some pizzas are cooking or something, you know. Well, thoughts work exactly the same way. Thought flies through. What do you do? We're not accountable. I don't believe for every thought that flies through our mind. But we are accountable with what we do with it. Yes. We've got to yes. say no or yes to it. That's right. And if we don't, then it's a yes. Mm-hmm. And if we're careless and not paying attention, if we're not armed, if we're not determined, if we're not resolved to stand against evil there in that realm then we lose the battle. The devil wins. Mm -hmm. He establishes a stronghold in us, in our minds. And then, buddy, we're in trouble. As our eyes are directed to an object by the devil and his helpers in the world, our thoughts are directed by them also. As we mentioned last week, advertising is all about that right there. It's getting you to look, getting you to see. If you can just see. Why do they put new cars on display and make them look so nice? Inside. They look better inside than they do outside, don't they? Yes, they do. Oh, because they're clean and dry. Oh, my. Yeah. Why do they take such care in how they display food items, or anything, really. Clothing, you name it. The way they display it, it is to appeal to you. To get you to look. Not only to get you to just glance, but to gaze upon it. Because if you'll keep looking, you'll want it. She saw that it was to be desired. A thing to be desired. And that's the goal. See, When it gets to that point, the devil's won. He's got you. You're desiring it. 
When you start desiring, it's hard to back up from there. Yeah, you're right. I'm telling you. It's like when you set the hook in a fish. I mean, <laughs> if you set that hook good he's, he, and you keep that line tight, he's going to have a hard time getting off of there. And that's what the devil does. When he gets that desire, when he arouses that desire and it, and it takes over, when lust hath conceived, that means when it takes control, you're done. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's how this whole thing works. So the desire is going to happen when the devil messes with your thoughts and gets you to look. And then he captures your thoughts. Your thoughts are captured by the sight of it. And then you convince yourself or the devil is in your ear saying, it'll be good for you. It's not like they say. They say it's danger, but that's not true. Don't believe all those holy rollers. I mean, it's just, it'll be okay. Everybody's doing it. Everybody don't die from this. The devil said, thou shalt not surely die. Isn't that what he said? Thou shalt not die. Denied what God said. God said, you'll surely die. The devil said, you'll not die. Same words that went through your mind. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Ain't going to hurt you. Everybody does it. Ain't going to hurt you. You just need to know what it's like. So as our eyes are directed to an object, our thoughts are directed there also. And once we see an object, the image of it is forever filed away in our memory. And from that point, the devil does not even have to put the actual object in front of our eyes anymore. All he's got to do is just remind us of it and we see it again. That's the core of it tonight. I hope you understood what I just said and I hope you were listening. If he can get you to look once, that's all he needs to do. Because you got it, you got a, a picture filed away in your mind. And all he's got to do is just pull it up again in your mind where nobody else sees, but you see. It's the same with music. It's the same with everything else. My goodness. So, that is the power of sin and it's the answer as to why it has so effectively destroyed the human race. This is why there's no escaping. There was no escaping. Once Adam and Eve had eaten of that tree, the damage done could never be undone. They knew. Now they knew. They knew what they didn't know before. And everything was wonderful. But now they know. You really want to know, huh? What it's like to be drunk. You want to know what it's like to be high. You really want to know what it's like to just go ahead and lose all your morals. You really don't want to know. Because once you know, there's no going back. Not only in matters of, of morality I'm talking about and that, every sin is that way. 
Once you cross that threshold, then it's never the same. Never the same. And that's why there's no escaping. They crossed a line that could never allow a return to how it was before. Oh, God clothed them and all of that, but God, they were driven from the garden. And a flaming sword turned every way to keep them from going back in. It could never be the same. They could never go back. They could never go back to where all they had to do was reach up and take the fruit for their food. Now they had to toil. Now their food had to be cooked. Now all of the labor of life and the toil of labor became a part of in sorrow. That's what follows. When you let the devil control your thoughts. So just as ungoverned physical appetites can destroy your physical health and bring shame, so ungoverned thoughts can destroy your soul. And you don't go down by yourself. You take everybody around you with you. So it's not just you. You're not just responsible for you. You're responsible for you because you'll take a bunch of others with you. Godly people in the generations before us knew this truth. And therefore, they taught their children and, and, and they recognized boundaries and were conscious of, when th- of where things led. Yes. You ain't going to fool me. People, in the, people in, before us were wiser than this generation. Yes. Believe me. Yes. They understood things better. They understood how thoughts lead to actions and appetites influence all of that. And, yes. and they, they had a longer look. They knew this truth and they taught it and they, they were conscious of where things led and had a broader view of things than just the present moment. You see, that's where this generation lives. In the moment. They're not looking ahead. They're not considering consequences. They're not saying no to anything. It's just ravenous appetites for everything, mental and physical. And they will be satisfied and they will not be told no by anybody, any law. Get rid of the police. Get rid of everything. I'll do as I please. I must have it and I must have it now. That's what lust says. They understood and taught their children the value of hard things in life. And not always having what you want. Mm -hmm. And how to say no to yourself. They did. This generation doesn't. They put a lot of thought and effort into training their children's minds to recognize the danger of selfishness, Mm -hmm. self-centeredness, indulgence, pride, and rebellion against God's truth. And we can't even get people anymore to reverence the house of God or the worship service of God. We were talking the other day, you know, about things and this will get you. But I mean, we never took drinks into the church. We never did. I never even thought of it. It was just a thing that was not done. Nothing. 
And then the preachers, they had to have water during the service, so they, they had their waters, and so now... And how do you stop them? Well, I don't see nothing wrong with it. Blah, 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 blah. That's where we're at. See? Yeah. They had boundaries. They knew some things that have been thrown to the wind in this generation. Right. And then they go and want have revivals like they're claiming is happening all over the country. Right. It's... I hope y'all have more sense than to fall for all of that nonsense and deceit. And I wish it were true. And if it turns out to be true, I'll be the first one to step up and say, Hallelujah, thank God, I'm glad I was wrong. But I want to see, I ain't going to believe it until I see righteousness as the result of it. Just having a good old time, emotional time in a time of superstitious manifestations and that is not revival. Revival is when you'll wake up to these hard facts Mm -hmm. and start living it. When it makes a profound difference in your life, then I'll believe that something happened. Until then, I don't have any confidence that it's anything. Sadly, their children, though, these, the children of these generations before us, their children and grandchildren failed to follow their example and raise generations of indulgent, proud, spoiled, ungodly, disrespectful, irreverent people who knew not the Lord and are about to bring about the judgment of God upon us. We got to get back to the knowledge and the principles that the Word of God teaches us about the discipline of our appetites, both physical and mental. Got to get back to it. We got to learn how to think. And we've got to start teaching our children how to think. How to think. How to think. Not just leaving that alone and letting them just grow wild. They'll be lost. The world will get them. The devil will destroy them. If we don't teach them to gird up the loins of their minds, if we're not as concerned about what they're thinking as we are about what they're doing, and they learn to think when they're little like these. They learn how to think. They learn what to think about. How to process information. And how to apply it in life. They're doing that right now. And it's going to be the pattern of their life from now on. And it's going to be, we're going to prepare them for the devil or we're going to prepare them for God to work with. One or the other. If we don't prepare them, we're preparing them for the devil. And if we strive to prepare them to deny themselves, to know what it is to deny themselves and to have control of themselves, their mind as well as their physical appetites. Everybody's concerned about that, but there's more to it than just that. They're thinking. They start developing their reasoning and stuff as they, in those young years, and you can see which way it's, which way it's uh, trending if you just pay attention. And deal with it. Attack it where it's wrong. Attack those bad mental habits. Correct them as much as you correct them for fighting with their brothers and sisters or sneaking food or other mischief. 
So we got to get back to the the discipline of our appetites, physical and mental. We need we got to learn how to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. First Thessalonians four three and five. For this is the will of God. Everybody's wondering what the will of God is. Even your sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. It's talking about your body. Your vessel is your body. Right along with Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We gotta learn how to put a guard on our thoughts and keep our mind from being hijacked by the evil influences all around us. We are absolutely swamped by them. Put down your phone. Well, when you look up from your phone, you're gonna see something else. Unless you stay out in the woods like I do most of the time. (laughs) That's the truth. Doesn't matter. You guys at work in public places, I mean, there's music, there's noise, there's talking, there's profanity, there's nudity. Everywhere you look, every time, where you turn your head, there's that constant assault on your thoughts from evil. Mm-hmm. Got to do something. Yes, sir. You got to resist it. You got to learn how to put a guard on your thoughts. Keep your mind from being hijacked. Romans 7.23, I mentioned this a while ago, but Paul said this, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So I've been talking to you all night. Appetites. That physical appetite. Those natural desires. War. With the devil's help, because he is, it's not, you're not, the, the appetite's not worn against the law of your mind when you come home for supper. No. Or when you get up in the morning and you eat breakfast before you go to work. That's not, it's not it at all. It's when the devil tries to appeal to your natural desires to go around what God has said no to. That's the war. That's the war. And it's worn against what? The law of your mind. What you know is right. And what is wrong? That's the law of your mind. Your mind knows. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Mm-hmm. Wars being waged against our minds and the truth that we know from the Word of God. It's war. It is warfare. And the weapons the devil uses against us in this war are our own appetites and desires. That ought to, that ought to shake you up a little bit. Yeah. He's doing that to me. Yep. He is coming in the back door and using my own yeah. desires against me yeah. to trick me, to deceive me. If he can get me to desiring something that's not the will of God, then 
You see what a terrible state that is in? You're wanting something that God says no. Same deal as in the garden. Same deal. They have, of every tree of the garden I may as freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which is in the midst of the garden, I shall not eat of it. Just one tree. Looks like that would have been easy, wouldn't it? But the devil said, you ought to be able to eat off of every tree. I mean, what's the difference in this tree and the rest of the trees? Why would God do that to you? So all of a sudden, there's a desire for something. You're wanting something that is wrong. Well, you're in a dilemma, ain't you? Now what are you going to do? How are you going to save yourself? How are you going to get rid of that desire? How are you going to quit desiring that thing that's forbidden? How many people do? Very few. (laughs) He constantly appeals to our mind to set aside what we know to be God's moral law in order to satisfy our own appetites, which are summed up in this, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You'll do it for one of those reasons right there. It's always appealing to one of those. When she saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes, and that tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit. It's a really short road to sin. I'm just almost done. We've got to learn this lesson and keep it close at hand in our thoughts as we deal with this daily battle within ourselves. I want to read you a couple of scriptures and then I'm going to quit. First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Stop. Do you realize that in, he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Yeah. He fought the same battle that we're fighting, but he didn't yield. He didn't give the devil one square inch of his life, his being. That's why, when he, that's why he was able to say, Satan hath nothing in me. He hadn't ceded anything to him. He resisted the devil like he tells us to do. He came. He lived in a body of flesh just like we have. He was tempted in everything just like we are. The devil hit him harder than he's ever hit any of us because he knew what he was up against. The devil gave it his best shot at him. I mean, he, he gave him everything he had. He don't even have to try with us. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Nah, that's the Word of God. It's pure. It's right. It's just exactly what I'm 
trying to preach tonight. One more verse, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Familiar verse, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How do we have the victory here? Well, by following Jesus. That's how. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's how you do it. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man can do unto me. If Jesus is with us, we can win this battle. You can guard your mind. You can, uh, you can keep your own spirit right. <laughs> is it easy? Well, no. It's, it's because... It's so relentless. He never stops. He never lets up. You never get a breath. It's a fight. To the end of it. To the end of this life. It's a fight against evil. Spiritual warfare. That's what it is. Watch it. I mean, it's one thing to get a taste for some kind of food and just overdo it with it. But it's a, it's it's on another level when you when you get a taste for things in your thoughts when you develop an appetite to think about things that are outside the realm of righteousness. Right. Yeah. Don't y'all say? Yeah. It's a trap that when you get in it, man, you it's almost impossible to get out. It takes a miracle of God. It takes the power of God to break that bondage. Some people end up like the maniac. And they're all around us. You can see them everywhere. Never bit as bad a shape as he was in. That maniac, what did, what did it say? What's the outstanding thing that it says? After Jesus cast that legion of devils out of him, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed. Well, that's good, but the main thing is that he was in his right mind. The prodigal came to himself. That means he got his mind back. And when he got his mind back, all those thoughts were replaced by the memories of home and father and all he'd been taught. Devil possession. <laughs> when the devil's got control of your mind, you're possessed by the devil. Yes, sir. And it's just degrees. And there's a lot more devil possessed people than we know about. Churches are full of them. They're everywhere. And... Uh, and they don't manifest themselves like they do, did at the revival or in the movies. They manifest themselves by actions that follow habitual thinking that's rotten, out of bounds, undisciplined, uncontrolled. All right, I've got to quit. Think about it and apply it. Apply it. Don't just... Go out of here and say, well, that was something to think about. And go right back to your regular thoughts. 
got to control how you think. That's that's what'll control. That that's what'll decide your fate in this life and eternity too. Father, thank you for the Word of God and the truth here tonight. Please help us, Father, to get a hold of this. I pray for these young people and these children especially that they would be able to get a, a handle on this here, this thing here, this truth, this fact of life, and to wake up to the to the reality of this battle that we're in and the seriousness of it and the and the formidable enemy that is against us here. And he has every advantage. We're surrounded. We're in enemy territory. And most people are unarmed completely and defenseless. I pray, Lord, that we'd put on the full armor of God tonight and that helmet of salvation and be renewed in our minds and and awakened to the reality of this warfare that we're involved in to the end. Help us to be faithful. And Lord, help us to be able to say at the end of it, like Paul said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. Please help us. Lord, I pray nobody go out of here missing this tonight. Watch over us. Going home, working our hearts this week. Guard our families and watch over us and, and help us in this matter in Jesus' name. Amen.